Boxcaster online. Authorization accepted. Upload confirmed. Begin transmission. Welcome to the listener response episode for Fulgrim. I am your host, Dave Whitek, and with me as always, Greg Dan. Greg, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, David. How are you? Fantastic. Excellent. So, <laughs> Fulgrim, back to talk a little bit more about poor Fulgrim. <laughs> <laughs> That's a matter of opinion. Yeah. Poor, poor Fulgrim. <laughs> Well, man, still getting a lot of response, though. A lot of response on the forums as to Fulgrim's fate, especially the picture. Yeah, yeah. It div- divided opinion, I think, is fair to say, which is good. You know, I, I, I put my opinion out on the show. Yeah. And well, people have come back with their own and said, no, I, I don't think you're right. And that's, that's cool. The thing at the end about the picture is so sort of vague that, I mean, there's tons of... And they all seem rather valid. It's it's nice that people are actually backing up their opinions with, you know, with decent reasons. It makes for some interesting reads. I've been really enjoying it. Some people are quite sympathetic to Fulgrim, too, which I was a little surprised on. Um, yeah. I, yeah it's, well, it's, again, it's not a clear-cut story, is it? There are, there are reasons for everything. Maybe not excuses, but there are reasons that things happen. Yeah. Um, and he definitely had weaknesses that were exploited. Yeah. Uh, so it's again, it's it's a bit tragic in a way. Yeah. I mean, at but, least in this story, he's not portrayed so much as the villain as the tragic hero. But you know. Yeah. It, yeah. It's his book. Yeah. <laughs> so we do get a slightly more, um, you know, a reasonable view of him, as it were. Um, maybe even. <clears throat> I mean, that's one of the first things I was going to bring up, actually. Um, some people have said that Ferris comes across quite badly in the book. Um, you know, unable to, to come up with a plan to defeat the, uh, the the ships they were up against and and then headlong rushing into the middle of a fight, all those things. But again, it's Fulgrim's book. So whenever you're going to have a book centred around a legion or a primarch, the other Legion or Primarch is always going to be slightly reduced um, because they are the bad, the quote-unquote bad guys of that book. You know. Well, yeah, and, and once again, it, it's the that narrator's point of view, which is going to come up in the next book a lot. I didn't realize how much until I had to reread Descent <laughs> of Angels how much and how much I fell for it, how much I fell for just, you know, reading it and not paying attention to the fact that I'm getting a specific character's point of view. Yeah, and just you tr- almost... These are the history of, of 40K, and you have to kind of read them like you're reading the history of our world. You know, if you pick up Custer's... Um, you know, information from Custer's side of what, what happened leading up to the Battle of Little Bighorn, it's it's slightly different to the information <laughs> you can get from from elsewhere. And you, you paint a very different picture of Custer, um, depending on who you read. So. Yeah. It, it's you know it's 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 as simple as that really. They're they're 
there's a lot of different things going on here and every book needs to have some form of context when if you're going to look back and delve into it like we are but you know and i, I will say this much ferris manis does get kind of short shrift in this in this oh, yeah. book i mean i know i finished it wanting to know more about him and feeling like you know i know i asked on the, uh, on the last book what, what you know where the uh were the Emperor's Children weak compared to other yeah. ones because they lost them? You know, because just based on what you're reading, but he, he does he does really come across as quite headstrong and not listening. And you're like, wow, how did he survive? I mean, a simple orc taunt could throw this guy into a rage. It seems like, <laughs> you know. And but it is partially that that point of view. Lots of people posting up links and other stuff to more information on the Iron Hands, though, and stating how they really were upset at how they were uh, portrayed. Although I think you did really, in the last episode, give a good sort of of, of description of it. I mean, like I said, the, on the forums, there was, the, the talk was, the talk was a little more in-depth and a little clearer. But a lot of people running to the defense of the Iron Hands. This is my legion, my favorite legion. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're very aggrieved uh, yes. <laughs> portion of the community because not a lot's been written about them. And yeah, and because of the nature of the heresy, it does get a bit of um, a, a bad reflection on, well, on it, Ferris and the it, whole legion. It's kind of like being the first person voted out of Survivor. You know, Ferris Manis was the first. <laughs> yeah, and never nope. got a chance to show. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody wants to be that guy, you know, and uh, unfortunately somebody had to die first. And then after we see all this stuff about Fulgrim and how everybody manipulates him and sort of treats him like like the weakling and he's the one, you know, demon demon invasion aside or demon, demonic possession aside, I should say, um, the fact that he's the guy who kills him, I, I mean, it seems to stick really really badly with some, in some people's uh in some people's opinion so it's all uh, part of fun all part <laughs> of fun but uh yeah so what what else are we going to cover today um well, you, you're, you're david the, sent me a you're um, the black uh, librarian so <laughs> something like that um <laughs> David sent me a message um, a while ago when he started reading Descent, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. He said, what's going on with all these marks of armor? Um, because there are a lot of references to Mark Three, and then um, as you read Descent, the, the people have got their own armor and things like that. So we're going to do a brief piece on the variations of Space Marine armor that we see um, throughout the heresy and slightly beyond as well. Yeah, cause, yeah. In descent, I mean, when they described it, it sounded like power armor, but obviously, they were already gone well before there was the technical power armor. And then I was actually flipping through the the uh, Space Marines codex, and even yeah. in the pictures, it's like, okay, some guys have shoulder pads with big studs, and some guys have not. And then when I when I I was reading one of the captions saying how, well, this guy's got this armor, but that shoulder pad is obviously Mark III armor even though he's wearing Mark IV armor. And I'm like, oh, why the hell is he wearing a Mark III shoulder pad? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's referenced a fair bit throughout the books as well. They talk about Mark II armor and things like that. It's just thrown in in little books. So um, as much as possible, I've, I've stolen information, and um, we'll try and discuss that a little bit. So, and for anyone who is kind of following along, the link you sent me is from uh, the first expedition. Yeah. 
And, That's correct. Uh, um, there's a whole post, an article um, on the different power armors with pictures to all the different models. Yeah, there's, there's representations of each type of armor. Um, and it's not, I mean, this is uh, collected information by one of the mods on there, I think. So, um, you know, thanks to him for doing all that work. Oh, yeah, no um, kidding. This, this site, so you know, it's a gold mine of information for things like that. But it's so it's not. This isn't. This hasn't come from Black, Black Library. This is um, someone putting it together. So there might be slight, you know, inconsistencies with with what actually goes on. But um, although in the article, got, I'm sorry, when I've got that when I've got that information there, it seems pointless to try and go and re- redo all that work. So oh yeah. Uh, it does, I like in the very beginning of it, though, it says uh, formative armor, a history of space marine power armor, based on an article by Rick Priestley. So at least we're going with something that's yeah. at least coming from... Yeah, no, they don't, if, if something turns out to be wrong and you get confused in this, then it might be because it is wrong. But it's, as far as I've read through it, it reads very close, um, as I say, without doing um, a shed ton of research. Which did just did, it just didn't seem uh, <laughs> worth it in in a win win away. It makes it sound bad, but yeah, as I say, I've got a resource there, so I think I think it's fair to use it. Oh no, because I mean, I I even asked you. I said, "Where are you getting the information?" You sent me this one link, and it's I mean, you know, it seems pretty darn exhaustive. You know, I mean, it really does seem to cover everything and explain <laughs> enough. So, excellent stuff. So. Why don't you lead us off on this, Greg, since you're the... Well, should we do all the, the, the feedback first? Oh, sure, 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 sure. And indeed, before that, should we, do, should we announce the winner of the competition? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, might as well get all of that going. Sure. So the competition was for the um, bag and contents from the uh, Black Library Weekender 2. Announced last, uh, last feedback episode, in fact. And I've um, randomly drawn the number from all the people who posted on either of the forum threads. And the winner is uh, the username's Holland, Holland Vega, H-O-L-L-E-N-W-E-G-E-R. So I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce that, but if you want to get in contact <laughs> with myself or Dave or, or whatever, then um, we can organize getting that off to you wherever you are. And that was one of the forum members, right? That was, yep, that was a forum member they posted in the forum Right. Uh, on, on the thread, and uh, we can organize getting that out to you. If if you are in America, I might post it when I come over for Adepticon. Might take it out with me. So, excellent. Yes, get in contact, please. A brief bit on that, because this might be, the next episode's going to be in and around the Adepticon time, isn't it? Yes. So, it's going to fall roughly in that. Um, David and myself are going to be there. Um I have a number of shirts with Child of Fang written on the back of them now. Um, <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> for various reasons, if you um, if you see me walking around or whatever, and you want to say something, please feel free to jump in and say hi. You know, if I'm in the middle of a game of fantasy, I might not be able to give you a whole amount of time, but it would be great to uh, to to hear from you guys if you're over there and say see us. It's a long shot, but you never know. So. And we'll be in the team tournament too, the fantasy uh, team fantasy tournament. Team. And I'm definitely going to be walking around the 40k hall and the, probably the Horus Heresy bit as well at various points. So, and Are you playing in the fantasy championship Saturday and Sunday 
Oh, I am indeed, yes. Okay, see, I am not. So I will be wandering around uh, at a couple of painting. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of painting seminars, and then I'll be in the back of the Fantasy Hall just playing pickup games. And uh, you can't miss me. I'm the big heavy set guy with the garage hammer shirts on all the time. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, no, I'll hear him laughing. <laughs> there we go. But don't start. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. So and what so, other bits of feedback should we uh, do we need to hit here? Um, I've actually reduced the kind of notes on this one because I think at the end of the day, there's, there's quite a bit of talk on the forums. Yes. And... Um, over the course of a number of replies and, and you know, replies to replies, things like that. So um, within reason, I think if you want to kind of get in on those conversations, there's a lot that you kind of have to go and read other people's point of views. People have put you know, links, as you said, to other, other things as well. Um, so I'm going to be talking a bit more generally. The forum is garagehammer.net slash forums. You do need a reminder to go to the introductions um, once you've logged in and introduced yourself, you will be free to post anywhere on the forums. But that's our that's our built-in spam filter. You just sign up and you have to post an introduction of yourself before you can post anywhere else. So, um, and in addition, um, there's been a fair bit of chat on various different topics on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Search after Eleanor on Facebook. They don't always relate naturally to the book we're reading. Um, they can be general Horace Heresy things, but there's been some quite interesting little bits of information flying back and forth on Facebook as well. So yeah, and we've quite, gotten quite good to read. Can, you can always email us too, and those emails are in the show notes. Absolutely, and if, if you want to email us, if, if you've you know listening to the whatever episode this is, but this you've just started the, the series later, um, I think yeah, there'll, there'll be potential later on if we get a number of questions to do like a, a review feedback thing if there are older questions people are asking or relative you know things that come up that are relative so sure don't don't feel uh, bad if you're listening to this way after it's been recorded and you still want to ask questions and can't find answers then send them off and we'll do our best absolutely so uh jumping into um this this month's or this episode's kind of topics i think we've covered a little bit about the book viewpoint. That was one thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, we see it to varying degrees throughout the whole heresy. Every book, I've said it before, and I, I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself. And I don't want to keep hammering the point home, but um, every book has its viewpoint characters. Um, and in this one, it's, you know, it's all Emperor's Children and the rem- rem- remembrances that are with the Emperor's Children. Um, and that does colour everything that kind of happens in the book. So when you're dealing with the staunchness of the Imperial Fists, say, and, and the, the, the book or the stories about them, and, and they're talking straight out, that's probably you know, how they work. That, that's the, how they work. And so anyone who doesn't deal like that, they're going to look badly on them, things like that. So it kind of has to be kept in the back of your head that, there are apparent, even to the point there are apparent um, contradictions between books, and it it can be purely because the two people talking between those two books have completely different viewpoints, and so see others as not getting things quite right. Um, and as, as David said on when he read Descent, it's, it's quite easy sometimes you get drawn into the story and you come out of it and you're like, oh, I can't believe that happened that way, and this bloke was such a douche and whatever. 
and then you can read a book, a few books later, and it can be almost completely opposite. Um, so, like in all life, there is more than one side to everything, <laughs> and 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 as balanced people, we should be prepared for that. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's yeah, it's it's quite important when you're looking at if you're if you're really into the heresy, like you probably are if you're listening to this, and um, and you're trying to kind of delve into secrets and ideas and things like that. Excuse me. Um, but there was, yeah, so there's a little bit on that. There was also a bit of a thread on the Iron Hands Flesh is Weak motto. Yeah, I found this really interesting because this was something that was, that, that was totally, you know, I knew nothing about. So Yeah, um, a couple of people would quick jump to the defense that um, basically Flesh is Weak has two meanings, one pre-heresy, one post-heresy. Um, there is all, all I want to say is there is a, a story which isn't particularly long out, which is a, an E short, which directly handles um, the motto um, and, and what is meant by flesh is weak. But that motto again, you're, you're dealing with a legion of a hundred thousand marines, and that motto is has every way of being interpreted among that whole legion um however it will be the kind of overall view of the legion is is modified by the top ranking people in that legion's view of it so whatever ferris thought of flesh is weak will have an overall effect on how they perceive it as a legion but doesn't stop the individuals having a slightly different view and without ferris being there that view can get a little twisted yeah um Ferris, the one thing from the story I, I will say is Ferris kind of tempered that flesh is weak to his viewpoint. Um, yeah, say that doesn't stop people lower down. I mean, look at um, Eidolon, uh, not Eidolon, um, Fabius in in the book. You know, his views on what should be done were way different than anyone else in the Legion was looking at when it came to the modification and experimentation. Right, and in the end, he he actually kind of cajoled Fulgrim into slightly opening his mind to those kind of things. Oh, so someone was a, able to talk a, Fulgrim into something? When, when the, I don't remember that happening. No, no he... he, he uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like sarcasm meter is going off the charts. Yes. Hey, Fulgrim, so, we should yes. do this. No, we shouldn't. Well, if you... you know, Seriously, it's like Marty McFly. It's like you just got to call him chicken. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, seriously. <laughs> call him Yella. But, exactly. Um, but yeah, so... So just because um, the overall view of the flesh is weak may have been one way, it doesn't mean that you know, a lot of the Legion were looking at it, yeah, that's fine for you, but really, actually, I think we could take this a step further or actually you're too strict in your in your viewpoint on that. So, But there's a, again, there's some good chat, and the guys, you know, they, they back it up. Uh, um, I don't necessarily think it's as straight cut as, as is made out to be. But it creates a very interesting story later, as I say later on. Um, but they are fairly inhumane. They're, you know, as I said in the book, they're pretty, pretty dour and straightforward and and you know relentless. Some, even people who were really defending them were bringing up how how you know there's no room for error. I mean, it would be, oh, no. it, it made. I mean, not knowing that much about the Iron Hands, reading how you know if you're if you're your you know group is sent out to do something and comes back you know and has failed 
how you're just, you know, you're held in such low regard. I mean, and, and granted, that goes with all Space Marines. You know, nobody likes to fail. They do but, take it to an extreme. They, yeah, as said, um, a, a guy put a link in, and it's in the uh, in the Forgewell books. They have these almost suicide squads who are made up of these people who have failed and need to kind of regain their honor. They're like slayers. Yeah, they're, they're a bit I mean, like slayers. They're yeah. like dwarf slayers. If you fail, you you get put on this. And that, I mean, it's, it's... The only difference being that they can kind of redeem their armor without necessarily dying. Yes. But, but yeah, that, that they, they go to the extreme in, in trying to regain that. And that, and that is pretty harsh. And it, it's, it, it, makes, I think, it makes the Iron Hands a much more interesting foil to the Emperor's children, where the Emperor's children just believe in this sort of striving for perfection and all that. Um you know, and, and constantly working toward it, um, the Iron Hands don't seem to stress the perfection openly. They're, they have to be perfect, but you know, it, it, in in the background, you know, not throwing it right up in everybody's face in the front, but in the in the background, there is there is definitely of you screwed up, and now you have to atone for it. Yeah, it's almost like the, the two sides of the same coin in the, the full. The, the, the Empress children are always looking at how to be perfect and the Iron, uh, Iron Hands are always looking at how not to fail. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it causes completely different issues within the legions. Right. I mean, I'm not going to go back and read it a third time, I'll tell you right now, but um, have, having gotten that stuff on our forums after reading it, it did. I, you know, Having freshly read it, I was able to look back at what I had just read and be like, okay, wow, that really does make for some in, some really interesting um, interesting back and forth between them. Sort of even how, how easily Fulgrim sort of pushed his buttons, Fulgrim's easy, flippant sort of manner, as opposed yeah. to Ferris Manus's far more serious manner. And when you start to see their, their philosophies being so similar... Um, but but as you put it, two sides of the same coin, almost opposite, you know. And when you when you first look at it, it's just it was it was really cool. It made it made uh, the dynamics between these two legions much more interesting. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's a there's a fair bit on that in the in the thread again. I'm not not going to go over all the intricate details of that. Um, right. People can go and look it up as they need as they want to. It, it's, it's good stuff. Um. Something else was brought up about the Primarchs and their flaws in general. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's a completely valid <laughs> point. We have 18 Primarchs, and so far everyone we've seen has, <laughs> has exhibited some huge kind of weaknesses in their character. True. Um, which, I mean, it would be a pretty dull story written down, I think, if they didn't. Um, but. <laughs> it's funny that you bring this up because literally not 24 hours ago, I was sitting in class with my creative writing class and they, you know, they're supposed to come up with some characters for a short story. That's sort of like the big project for the, for the semester. Sure. And I had to sit there and I'm telling them, well, first of all, you got to make, you got to make this character interesting. You got to make me want to keep reading. But then we were talking about your protagonist and your antagonist. And I'm like, you know, Every bad guy has to have some sort of a redeeming quality, whether we see it or not. They at least have to have some feel that they have redeeming qualities. Nobody walks out there saying, I'm evil for the sake of evil, and I'm going to be evil, and ha, ha, ha. 
I mean, you know, chaos demons aside, you know what I'm talking about. Um, even they're not like that, though. Even they're not. Yeah, that's just that's no. their nature. That's, they're like, this is what we do, you know? Um, but then I said, but all of your main, I mean, you, nobody, nobody's interested in a perfect character. If you're perfect no. all the time and you do everything right all the time, you become boring really quick and you need to have some, you should have some sort of flaws, something to, to you know, there's got to be a chink in the arm or something we can grab onto to make the story interesting and have some sort of a conflict for your character. And then. I wasn't even thinking about this when we were talking about it, but yeah, I mean, every one of the Primarchs has, I mean, they've all got daddy issues to begin with. Let's be, it, <laughs> yes, you know, Horus possibly most of all, but, uh, well, actually Lorgar possibly too, but, um, it, they're, yeah, everybody's got their flaws and it, I, it makes them interesting. But and I think when you read the books and the book focuses on them so much because you've got to have, like I said, something to make the story interesting. Yeah. Their flaws have to be, you know, really highlighted almost and, and have a light shone upon them. And uh, it, it makes them all look a bit... You, you sit there... I, I've, I've at times been reading the books going, Real, how does nobody notice that these guys are, are, are this screwed up? It, yeah, absolutely. In terms of story, yes, they need to be um, highlighted. Um, but also... We see that um, these these beings are uh, yeah, they're, they're enhanced. These beings are are more than normal. Um, everything about them is exaggerated, um, and without those flaws, they wouldn't be human to the point that they are human at the moment. Um, and those flaws almost have to be there um, as part of themselves. They're, uh, they're so far but, above our level. That if they don't yeah. have this, then they're... And, and then any flaw they have gets exaggerated in the nature of who they are as well. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's um, just handy that it works for the story as well. Well, even with their flaws, I mean, even even with their flaws, humans just fall down and and practically worship them when they see them. You know, I mean, yes. how many times does it comment how, you know, a space marine watches a Primarch get mad at like a human general in the in the imperial army and it's like wow he's standing right there and taking it and not turning into jelly i'm impressed you know i mean yeah you know so you 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 see these these comments and you're like you know even their flaws with even when they're obvious i think the people at our level when you're standing in front of them and not reading about them in a book they just get glossed over because of their just their the charisma and their presence exactly <clears throat> So yeah, again, there's just another little um, piece in the chat. Um, there was a nice little comment. I'm just trying to remember who it's from about Lucius being the ultimate narcissist, um, <laughs> really highlighting the whole legion. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't care about Fulgrim really. Um, if 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 Fulgrim was holding him back, he'd find try and find some way to get around Fulgrim. Um, Oh yeah, and you you see it every every step. He really highlights um, how Slanesh can uh, the kind of perfect target for Slanesh. He's like, no, I'm just going to do what I want, and I want to do this, and I want to do it to excess, and and I, ain't no one going to stop him. He's, he's the guy on Springer. Whatever, I do what I want. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on, seriously. It's not even damn the consequences. He just doesn't care. Yeah. It's it's not even a thought that there's anyone else there that he's like, oh, well, whatever to that. It just, it doesn't even cross his mind that, you know, that other consequences can happen to other people. It's, It's irrelevant. I mean, he's happy to turn on anybody. And he does. Yeah. I mean, he turns on his own legion. I mean, you can see even when he's like when 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 Eidolon, you know, basically writes him off because he's too friendly with uh, Saltarvitz. Um yeah. And he's just he's offended. A that I, why am I getting lumped in with you losers? And then when he goes to even go back, he's. I mean, he complete disdain for Eidolon. Listen, you tossed me aside. You obviously are an idiot. But I need you to get back into the Legion because I'm not getting stuck here to die. I'm way too good and way too important for that. And even when they bring him up, and, and Eidolon just is so obvious he doesn't care for him. Most of your Legion, when you get a head guy like this, even if he's kind of a putz, you know, if he's that much disdain for you, they're working some way to get in those good graces or worried about what they're going to do to uh, make sure that this doesn't have a problem with them. And Lucius is like, okay, right. <laughs> yeah. Just What just, makes you special? You're not a Primarch. You're not the Emperor. And even if you were, I could take you. you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's essentially that is what um, draws him into becoming the, the character that he is. Um, in 40k down the line, so which is very cool. Very, it's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, they did. I mean, he probably is one of the, you know, for a character who is so, and I don't want to say one dimensional because he obviously has some depth, but I mean, seriously, he has the he has the emotional depth of a teaspoon. You know, he really. <laughs> I mean, he he. I mean, he's all about him. Like, yeah, like a little child, exactly to an ex- excess. Yeah, um, but to take someone who's that. Is that that you know that simplistic and make him so compelling throughout the story? Because you do every time you read him, you're like, "Wow, you're just such a you know, <laughs> you know." Even when he meets with the girl and he cuts up his own face and stuff, and she gets him to do that, yeah, and it's like your perfection is marred. So just it, like embrace it and go even farther. And he's gone into this perfect. Yeah, it's like oh, it's. They really did a great job with a character who you don't think there's that much to say about. Yeah, he he could very easily be, um, uh, as you said, a two-dimensional character. He very could be, easily could be, but he isn't, and that's testament to um, to the right, writing. Exactly. Okay. Um, and there was one one last bit, really. Um, sure. The bombardment of Istvan Five and the lack of it, the real lack of it. I kind of said, "Oh, they didn't really have the technology." It's a bit of a mistake on my part. They, they do. Um, it would have taken a lot to kind of break a planet, um, but there were reasons they had to go down onto the planet and fight, um, and it's all to do with their ego as much as anything else. Um, but they had to make sure it was cleared out. And leave no survivors. They, they, and it was, it was the pride of 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 Dawn wanting them to do it, and Ferris wanting them to go down and you know have a reckoning. Um, in the only way, it just wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have felt good enough to just bombard them from space. It needed to be a visceral to go down and really know that they've cleansed um, the legions. Plus. 
they thought they had seven legions on four legions. So, you know, what's the harm in going down there and having a good old ding-dong? They're going to win. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and didn't they, I mean, with the exception of possibly Fulgrim, who I think Ferris Manus was leaving no option to walk out of that planet alive. Yeah. I mean, weren't they, I mean, weren't they going to, I kind of got the impression that they were going to get the Primarchs and bring them home and let the Emperor deal with them. <laughs> Mm, maybe it's, it's, it's I mean, fairly maybe I'm ambiguous wrong, but yeah um, that um because i had the same feeling i'm like okay bombard that planet until you crack the core i'm like literally just just i mean yeah. get rid of it i mean it. it would it would it would take a supreme effort to do that um you know they do have the technology but it's 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 quite quite a task um yeah, I say the orders are fairly ambiguous, um, and exactly where they come from is fairly ambiguous as well. I mean, Horus um, seemed to know. I mean, obviously, Horus knew that they would. Unless, unless, I mean, you know, after reading people's response, I was wondering if possibly even his entrenching himself in there and building up the defenses, because obviously they could see all the defenses and where they were and how they yeah. laid out these defenses. And I mean, even in other books, it's like, you know, they lay down all these defenses and then we just land in behind them because we're the space marines. And so, like, it it just seemed, all, I mean, I don't know, it, I was wondering if he was almost goading them on. Like, look, exactly. I'm, I'm, he was setting the challenge up. Yeah. Look, I'm locking uh-huh. in on this planet. And yeah, you could bomb it from above, but I'm, I'm assuming you're going to come in on foot because you're not really going to. I mean, he's standing, be- standing behind his wall, throwing his gauntlet down. Exactly, and and, and telling them to come get him. And, um, and yeah, there may have been that kind of. I think I think as if 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 you kind of put yourself into that situation, you'd want to know that Horace was dead. True. So you could bombard that planet. Horace might not be there. You kind of have to go down and make sure that Horace is there. You know. Um, because if if Horace wanted to, he could have started out with a flip. We could start out with a fleet battle in space, and he he could have done all kinds of other things. But he was giving them the option to come down. All right, here's my legion. Come down, and, and know you've killed me. Yeah, and but, this is there's a lot of this is conjecture on my part. You know, oh yeah, to be honest, a lot of this conjecture on a lot of people's parts because it's not really explained as as said. It's it's quite un, you know ambiguous as to. But it does make sense that you would want his body. You'd want to make sure he was there. Yeah, because otherwise, if you don't bring his body out, you know, and even if you kill the majority of the, the Legion, but there's always going to be elements. I mean, we already know the galaxy's split, you know, is, is on fire, basically. There are fights going on everywhere. If if Horus isn't found to be there dead, then Horus will appear everywhere. Yeah. In, in, in the traditional sense of those guerrilla wars, you know, Horus turns up and, oh, yeah, Horus was with us. Um and he's used as a rallying call and, and 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 all that. So yeah, they want they want a body that they can take back and and show everyone, and also to show everyone to say, look, it's over, we've killed him. Exactly, um, he's dead. What chance do you think you've got? So a lot a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, but they were. I mean, they were the main they were the main topics of discussion. There's other little bits in there. I think, as I say, um, I think it really, if you want to know more, it rewards you to go and read them rather than have us kind of talk about them on here. Um, and thanks to all those people. Um, as I say, there's, there's a lot to name if I name them. So all those people involved in those discussions for the, um, for the manner in which they discuss them as well. And always keeping it kind of friendly and jovial. And even when it was passioned, um, it was it was 
all done in the right manner. It never devolved into name calling or anything like that. But I don't allow that on our forums anyway. So it just I would have I would have stepped in and said something. But yeah, but it makes our job easier when we don't have to. So exactly. it's, it's, we are welcome, welcome of it. Because there, yeah, there were some very disparate points of view at at different times. Um, but you know, it, uh, like like we said, I mean, a lot of this is. You know, we take what we've read and we shade it with our own opinions, you know, to fill in the little gaps. And so at yeah. least people people recognize that it's an opinion. Yeah, because you could have an author come onto this thing and say, oh, you're all wrong because I wrote it like this. <laughs> at the end of the day, these are, these are opinions and, and conjecture based off of what we've read and how we've experienced the book. So even, even once kind of you've gone through all that, again, our viewpoint is skewed in the way that we're looking at these books as well. So. I know mine that's, is. That's the joy of it. <laughs> that'll be that'll be the, that'll be part of the 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 pre pre uh, you know delving in topic for for next episode is you know sort of point of view and uh, and how little I seem to get it even on the second reading. I know there's things I'm not quite getting, and sure. I'll, I'll be asking questions and hoping not to hear no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's there the worst is, um, part is when I ask you because I mean I ask you stuff off the air all the time, and I'm like, "What yeah. about this?" And you're like, "Yeah, well," and I'm like, "Oh, it's going to come up later, isn't it?" And you're like, "Yeah," I'm like, "Okay, don't tell me." <laughs> and, it beca- and it's funny because you know I don't want to know if it's going to be explained later. So I, I've cut. Yeah, no, you. I can't. Okay, I can't tell me. We can't talk about it's, that. Um, the next book's going to be uh, let's say the review of of Descent and the feedback we get off of it is probably going to be the most interesting. I think. Um, it certainly is a book. Uh, Graham McNeil, I was going to say, Graham McNeil divides opinion. Um, we've had two people post that they are some of the best human characters he's, they've seen in the heresy, and then the next ones, they're some of the worst human characters they've seen in the heresy. Um, he does have a tendency to divide opinion, um, and it is either very good or very bad. It's, it's really strange how it works. But Descent as a whole book um, is one of the books... That, really splits people down the middle so it's going to be an interesting chat online after that yeah no kidding um and then finally just before we move on to the uh, the armor discussion um as stated uh, a little while ago we're going to be doing the um audio for garrow um after descent um i just wanted to say that we're going to do them in um release order um purely because that's how we're doing the books. So even though these audios are out of sync in where they come in, we're going to do them in release order, which is different to chronological order. Um, oh, you're going to have to make sure I know which those are. So Exactly. So I've got them ready. Um, Garrow Oath of Moment is first. We can put these in the show notes. Okay. Uh, Legion of One is second. Burden of Duty is third. And Sword of Truth is fourth. Okay. There are other audio which are linked to the overall storyline, but I think we'll leave them for another time. We'll just do those four. Sounds and, good. Um, see how it goes. So there we go. Excellent. All right. So um, let's talk maybe for a good. Let's try. Let's uh, blah, 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 blah. let me back that up. Why don't we? Why don't we give uh, get about? We got about ten fifteen minutes here. That I would like yeah. to, I would like, I would like to learn about power armor. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah so would I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so as, as we said earlier with Descent, there's talks about marks of armour. Um, and I, I went onto the website, and all this information has been distilled from from uh, the first expedition's post. Um, so hopefully Dave's going to interject with some some awesome comments through, otherwise this could sound a bit dry, so I'm going to try and make <laughs> it not sound dry. Some awesome comments. <laughs> Don't, don't awesome comments. No pressure. I haven't um, made awesome comments in the last ten episodes or however many we've done. So today will be the day. <laughs> yeah, bless. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So um, we, we're going to start with where Space Marine armor came from um, and what is called Mark One armor. Thunder it's, armor. Um, thunder armor, indeed. Um, which was the armor that was used on Earth during the Unification Wars. So. Not just the Emperor's troops, but the other troops, um, the other the Warlords' troops all around the world, used a form of of this powered armor. Um, <coughs> excuse me, um, and and it's here that all the a lot of the fighting was done up close. They'd already kind of nuked half of Earth, um, and it got down to kind of that gritty fighting where a lot of it was done, I say, on Earth, and it was all about combat so they had powered torsos and powered arms so they could really go in and pummel each other um it's a beautiful sight really uh, that was the it, first thing that surprised me was as i was reading this it was you know this is equipped with armor in a similar way as those of as those warriors of other warlords i'm like wait a minute everybody had this armor i thought this was something the emperor created no but- see this is um the, em- the emperor kind of uh took the the troops that were there as they came through the unification wars um this was kind of standard. Um, excuse me, sorry. Um, so yeah, the, the, the powered torso and arm sections and the backpack providing that power came in there, and it was it was just the way kind of the society had gone. Remember that for five thousand years, terror had been locked in this uh, cycle of losing knowledge and um, and the constant wars with the lack of um, the lack of uh, resources. So it it kind of stagnated. It well, you know, reduced and stagnated. Uh, and as we see in descent, the armor they've got there that that it has to reflect back to five thousand years before. Um, so they, yeah, they're stuck in this rut, and they've they've kind of reached this point, and it's it's, it's all pretty samey, and it's spread. You know, as soon as you see someone doing it, you 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 grab bits yourself, and they engineer it, and so it's all fairly similar. Right. Um, yeah. I like the uh, padded breeches to protect their legs. So, you know, they've got this heavy armor on top and then just like a bit of padding on their trousers. Yeah. Yeah. That, I thought that was weird too, them. that it, the legs. And you would think, damn, this has got to be heavy. They've got a, they're carrying a backpack yeah. to enter, to give the power to the, to the suit. It's got a coolant system to keep it from overheating. They've got these, and it's it's the one part that always confuses me, is the giant shoulder pads that come almost down to your elbow, which just makes it seem difficult to move about. Like I said, I'm on the website right now, and I'm looking at the thread, and it's showing the pictures, and it's just like the armor looks, you know, it's just like, you're right, it's like not quite power armor. It's there, like the faces are all exposed, the little visors, and they have the little metal models there, the figs that they used to sell, which I think is just fascinating that they used to sell the little metal miniatures for this but that they have the weird helmet with the with the little clear visor it almost looks like they're all wearing sunglasses um but yeah the fact that they didn't have any you would think they would need the power armor in their legs just to keep them from getting tired and carrying all this stuff but uh 
but no. I did they like were, that they they want they they boosted all this because the Warriors got sick of you know nobody wanted just to shoot a guy from a long distance. They wanted to get up right up close and personal and look and look the enemy in the face. <laughs> it's a very uh, a very stylized form of fighting. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, they, I mean, it, it, it's like in the fantasy novels. To get up there, they, you know, I want to look at my, I want to see my enemies. Yeah. I, you know, it I want to let yeah, them they know got into who this it is kind of honorable, them. Yeah. Weird honor of doing it. You know, their, their legs was yeah, a bit of padding, a little bit of armor, a bit of chain mail, but they're not important for killing people. <laughs> so, so we're going to use great big flipping powered suits and everything like that. And, and, and these Greco-Roman, you know, GW have always drawn off of, of historical instances. If people, uh, some in the thread talking about this reflects to this, and they've, yeah, the writers and, and and the modelers are very good at drawing things from history. So you've got these kind of these the the, the horsehair plume kind of things yeah. and the crests that yeah you know, they were there right from the start, and we still see them now, which is quite cool. Um, yeah. So then the emperor kind of kind of took over and he emblazoned his his lightning emblem, thunder and lightning emblem on the uh, on the dudes and started to play with the with the gene seed at this point as well. So um, I like that it's called thunder. It's called thunder armor because it had his thunder and lightning crushed yeah. on it, and he won. And he, oh, he won! So he won with his thunder warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they had that mark. So that's the thunder armor. Then, even though everybody had it, that's just you know, it, it's one of the it's things. History, that we, history being written by the winner, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you can see, um, you can see right from here that it's uh, it, it's it's the basis of power armor. It looks power armor ish, although not quite. Um, obviously, it, it just lacked. The kind of the the, the fullness of the whole uh, whole suit of armor. Um, it, it didn't but, have the uh, any of the yeah. the atmospheric and life support no. stuff, and I that's mean. the important part of of the, the gear was that it wasn't sealed and it, it didn't have the life support. So these were, you know, the, the proto space marines. You, you couldn't have what they became uh, until they uh, the emperor took Mars, or, or say took Mars, um, formed the pact with Mars. Well, and I thought that was weird, too, because it even says that this, uh, where is it? Warriors equipped this way, and we're talking about the Mark I armor, fought during all the Emperor's Wars on Earth, as well as those on the Moon and Mars, which had Earth-type atmospheres at this time. Yeah, well, they were colonized early. Right. Um, very, very early, throwing thousands of years beforehand. Uh, you know, Luna was taken, and Mars and that, so they were already kind of, they were already human-based worlds, as most of... <clears throat> Excuse me. All those, all the worlds that humans settled on have to be um, either artificially or, uh, or, or they might find some naturally that human humanity can live upon. So Mars was altered a long time beforehand, yeah, to be able to accept life. So yeah, they they could go and fight there, and it's handy that Mars just so happened to be the place that could make them a shed ton of um, new armor. Yeah. a Mark II Crusade armor in honor of the Crusade kind of about to start because it started basically once the Sol system was was um, brought into the Imperium. <laughs> you know what's funny is as as we're going down this page, they have, like I said, the pictures of all the models, and they're all unpainted, okay? So you yeah. get all these unpainted models, and they're the old metal GW models, which is like, the, you know, the, the, the heavy metal... 
yeah, Space the Marines, 80s. which is, this point. and I don't mean heavy metal. I mean like you know, like heavy metal magazine looking eighties Space yep. Marines. But it was really funny because the first picture here on the Mark II Crusade suit, they've got the little drawing of what the suit sort of looks like overall, and then you've got four models, and like the first two are complete, and then the third one doesn't have any arms on it, and the fourth one has no arm or head, and. My first thought was like the old Greek and Roman sculptures, like something yeah. from a bygone era that is like it's it's like it's we've only got the parts left. And as I scroll down farther, every mark they have that they show the complete thing, but then they have the one with just the torso, so you can get a good look at the at the torso of the suit without the arms and the shoulder pads being in the way. But at first, the old metal figs with just the, you know half an arm or a head missing made me think of these old Greek and Roman statues that, like, and, I, I mean, I, I, this makes for great radio and no one else can see the pictures, but it really did, I mean... They for, can be following along, well, as in, we talk. I hope they are. But I think <laughs> it, in my head, it sort of gave me this almost like a historical point of view that you're going back and looking at something really old, and these are, like, yeah. the examples we have left. And, I mean, maybe I'm the only one who thought that when he looked at it, but... Uh, it just it struck me as really clever as for the people who were putting it up the pictures to to put them up that way. But so yes. then the, we do get to the the now this is the Mark II Crusade, Crusade yeah. suit. So I, I'm Crusade sorry, I'll let you continue with the with that's the fine. info. That's, that's cool. Oh, that's an awesome comment, Dave. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> woo. Um, so yeah, I say these these were made for the crusade. So we we start to see the the backpacks made. Um, uh, it's given the the life sustaining facility uh, and improved cooling because that's you know a lot of that backpack is is about cooling the systems, um, and the atmospherically sealed so they can go and fight their space battles and and, and do all their funky stuff. Um, and this is yeah the space marines are really being produced now so it's it's all working rather than the thunder warriors we've got these in slightly more um kind of elite warriors to use them as well we got the audio and visual enhancements um in the helmets via neural connectors and dampeners so that yeah they can see really well but if a flashbang grenade goes off you know it, it darkens immediately so they don't get blinded all those cool things that space marines can do um and Excuse me, sorry. So, um, yeah, we start to see actual power armor coming into play here. The only issue with it being is, um, if you can see the pictures, there's a lot of exposed uh, cabling and, in some places, not particularly heavy, the armor. So, where they started to do shipboarding actions, things like that, they they might just grab some of the old armor and just strap extra plating to themselves um, at the front. So they create these kind of um, four heavy, heavier to the front armor so that for boarding actions where nothing's going to get around the back of them, they can just be this wall of steel walking down the right down the, down the, um, the paths of the things. So they already they're jury rigging. They're grabbing bits from the old. They're like, yeah, this is really cool. However, we go and grab this, whack that on the front. That's a bit more protection and all that. And that's something actually we see through the rest of the suits. I like Even the mention as they become the, better. Sorry? I'm sorry, I like the mention of the helmets. That yes. s- some of the early helmets couldn't; they weren't articulated. Like with the with the neck, you couldn't turn them. They said like like old, like really old di- uh, deep sea diving suits with the, just the solid headpiece. 
Yeah. Um, to, to kind of like protect the neck so there's no kind of soft bits in the neck, things right. like that. And they said that wasn't, that not all of them had it, but if you were going into some place that really needed that much protection, yeah. that you'd get the unmoving head. But it also said that by the time of Olinor, um, that these were a rare commodity. Most people had an articulated, you know, like the head could move. Which suit would more be easily. fairly useful, yeah. So yeah. When, when you're walking down a corridor, you don't really need to use it too much. But, say, it, does, it, it doesn't let you peek around the corner particularly easy. So it has its um, advantages and negatives. I was like, yeah, what was that? Uh, Dark Knight, the second Batman movie, when he talks to him. Yeah, I'd like to be able to turn my head a little bit you know, with the yes. co- when he's working with the cowl. He's like, yes, being able to look left and right would be helpful, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so and then they start talking about how when the when on Mars when they started working on the suits, how they really sort of enhanced them, uh, especially the helmets with yeah. all the readouts and all the sensory input that they're that they're getting now from their helmets. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been a particularly long time between Mars being subjuga- uh, brought into the Imperium, not subjugated, brought into the Imperium. Well, it depends on how you pre- look at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some um, of them felt subjugated. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and the Crusade starting, so they needed to pump out this suit of armor, and, and the, the Space Marine program is, is progressing rapidly. So, you know, these legions are huge, so they need to start pumping out armor. So they've obviously done it, and then as they're going along, they're making modifications. Um to the old armor, whilst also working on newer sets of, of, of better, uh, quote unquote, better designed armor. So, yeah, I like uh, the other part that I really liked on this is, um, you know, they had you know the the helmet. Everything is designed to keep them safe, even with the you know if if there's blinding a flat like you can't get blinded by flash grenades in no. a power armor because it will automatically adjust and it's that quick that it will adjust for the light. For for sound, you know, noise and all that, but um, I really liked rolling down here. It says uh, this type and its variants were used throughout the Great Crusade. Many legions and subsequently chapters maintain it is the most efficient basic design of Space Marine armor. Although the overlapping plates were and are notoriously difficult to repair, but it's like everybody just you know that. Yeah, that Mark II stuff was still the best, basically. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. actually, if you went back and used it. Yeah. You might miss some of your comforts and all those little bits. <laughs> oh, no. All the old boys are saying, oh, God, in my day. The long beards. Proper armor. We yeah. didn't need to move around so much. We just smashed them in the face. But let me tell the you, that armor. Little pups running around everywhere. Everybody yeah. being able to move your shoulders and things. My helmet didn't even turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> Sorry, it's so stupid, but help it. You could see it happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which leads us into Mark Three, the Iron Suit, and Mark Three is really an answer to um, the issue of the heavier plating. Um, it's 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 kind of based on Mark Two with additional plating on the front to help with those boarding actions or heavy firefights. You know, the real bit heavy chest and armor platings, also angled, and the helmets angled, almost like a, a medieval kind of style of grills down the front so that when they're fighting I say with, with a lot of shots coming at them then some will be deflected off without even having to worry about that heavier armor as well um yeah still with a fixed fixed helmet design on some of them again 
I can see that for those instances, it would be pretty useful if you do get hit by something heavy, it doesn't snap your head to the left uh, and all those kind of things. Um, Still very 80s. Oh, yeah. I love, the, I love the, I really love the old models. In fact, like I said, I, it, I didn't realize it until, uh, I think you had actually even pointed out to me, but some other people had mentioned how, you know, any of the chaos Marines were basically just, you know, in fantasy, they were bad eighties versions of Conan. And in this, they were, I mean, they were, you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you think of like the eighties movies of the, um, of the, of the, the, the kind of gang culture of the far future, um, there's a lot of influences from that. Mad Max, know. that type yeah, of stuff. And, and, and all that kind of thing. There's a lot of that kind of stylization involved, which is pretty ace. And it wasn't, yeah, and it wasn't so much chaos as worshipping the four chaos gods as chaos as your fingers up to the order of yeah. the Imperium, yeah. I'm strong. I take what I want. It's, got, it's a very, that post-apocalyptic... 80s point of view on this stuff which was massively in vogue you know you're looking oh. at the late 80s it was you, you say your man maxes and all those kind of things it was it was a huge thing going on so it's an obvious draw for the for the model designers yeah but it was even funny because i mean it for and for me you know i'm i'm in i'm in in my tweens and early teens at the time and you watch all those movies. I even remember even back then. I mean, now you watch it and you laugh, but I watch them like, in the future, it's all deserts and we can't, don't have gasoline, but we have lots of hairspray and makeup because everybody had like really obnoxious makeup and spiked hair in the future. Like they Maybe were they all, had lots of lard. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, we can't wash our clothes, but my hair will stand up no matter where I am. Too right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just that's, that's completely sidetracking here. That was not an awesome comment. But so uh, if you, I mean, if you look at the photos, you can see that the, the front of them is quite flat. The um, the, the, the kind of pelvic uh, plating is quite large. Um, you know, there's nothing from the front. There's nothing kind of classy about the the Mark III iron suits. It's all about just a block of metal, or you know, just to stop them getting hurt. Um, and and these suits are, are kept by uh, you know the legions and, and even later some chapters, much later on, specifically for those those heavy those missions where they're going to come under extreme amounts of fire. Yeah, because um, there's no at this point there's no Terminator armor. You know, that comes in at the end of the crusade. You know, we talked about um, towards the end of the crusade, you know, Horus being at the front and receiving the the, the Terminator experiment and and all that kind of stuff. So they're relying on the power armor to do all their jobs. <clears throat> I'll just say now that's one thing. I'm I'm not going into the Terminator armor. Um, was it was Terminator armor and um, the Centurion armor that's now in 40k was developed later. And uh, Legio Custodes have a different form of armor. They don't necessarily have power armor. Right. Um, it's worked off a different design, which is much less known about. So it's all those bits that. It's, it's it, we, you know, we're just dealing with the power armor on this one, which is what you hear most about in the in the heresy. And this one's got some great comments too. Whilst a successful solution to a specific need, the Mark III was was considered too clumsy and uncomfortable for everyday use. As the most visually brutal of all marine armor, it did get used as a basic uniform for ceremonial guards. <laughs> I kind of like that. The most visually yeah. brutal. This this that's just this armor is the. When they do their diplomatic thing, yeah. they send in the real brutes behind them, <laughs> just as a reminder of what's going to happen. Yeah, I like that. So let's the Mark IV, the Maximus suit. 
yeah, we you start to see kind of the modern, as it were, form of armor being shown here. Um, whereas before they had a lot of overlapping plates as form of protection. Um, 40k comes in with those larger sections and and greater flexibility in the joint so you've got the one piece kind of chest which they've done a bit but there's and the shoulder pads are one piece um and this was uh kind of this was the heresy <clears throat> started it starting to take take um take its toll um we've got the the as the heresy progressed and, and forge worlds were taken back in and, and set up and things like that um, legions were also starting to create their own uh, Mark III armor and, and Mark II armor and various bits. Um, so Mars actually kind of could concentrate a little bit more on right now. We're going to make a new suit of armor. So whereas three was a version of two, four's much more its own version. Um, yeah, they recovered the, the standard template constructs for different things, for different designs of armor. Um, and this was supposed to be the pinnacle of armor. This was this was Mars's great kind of, yeah. This is this is perfect. This is ace. And, and as, as you can see, if you look at the pictures online, it looks much more like the space rings we know today. Right. And once again, in here they call it. Uh, what does it say? Um, they abandoned the like you said the separate abutting or overlapping plates in favor of larger and flexible casings incorporating the flexible joint design that was originally developed for the Mark III. This armor was only marginally less mobile than the earlier types and considerably easier to produce and maintain. So it was actually a little less, you know, you could move, yeah, you, you could was, move around as easily as you could in the Mark III, but it was overall a much better armor. So I, I, the trade-off, it seems like they, they put it was only marginally less mobile. Yeah, and... um. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry, a bit of a cough. <laughs> but but the, I mean, the key to it is that they could produce it, and it was it was it was easier for the numbers there. Now you know your your legions are getting up to full numbers at this point, as you as you're starting to get into the heresy. You know, your hundred thousand marines in a legion. Yeah, that all that armor has to be repaired, and it has to be repaired millions of miles from Mars, and it has to be made while the legions are out there. They don't want to keep coming back to Mars or keep having shipments from mars so it has to be maintained by the forge worlds that are out out and about so it's 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 doing what they needed to do at the time um you know perfect for them really yeah um and then this is where you start to see multiple types of helmets and it actually lists here that the mark 4-a helmet was based on the mark 3 the subsequent designs, B, C, D, whatever, um, you know, they, they went yeah. away from the, the fixed in place and now they could move around and be suited to specific needs, which is why you start to see the the helmets with the different face plate uh, sections. Yeah, the different shapes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, and then, uh, Mark IV was being rolled out. Uh, everything was going glorious. Um, nothing could stop them now. And all of a sudden, Horace turns traitor, um, which basically screwed everything up. Mars is thrown into complete disarray. Um, and Mark IV can't be rolled out wholesale. And in fact, 
all of a sudden you've got the, the traitors to, to worry about you supplying them and all this. So Mark V actually isn't a suit of armour. Mark V, and Laurie Gordon's repeatedly said this, brilliant. If you ever see any of the threads where they talk about Mark V armour, it's like, there is no Mark V armour. It doesn't exist. Um, I, that's, okay, that's interesting. It's basically Mark IV, but fixed up. Um, so Mark IV was rolled out and was taken up, but it used um, some specific materials in its construction. And unfortunately, these materials aren't as widely uh, available as some of the older materials they used. So with only so much of the, of the armour going out, when repairs were needed, they couldn't be done. So all of a sudden, they're just strapping on other bits of Mark III armour or Mark II armour. So Mark V armour is basically whatever's lying around. Um, it's... Uh, or... The other, the other option is, so they've so basically the Mark V armour is two different things. It's Mark IV armour or, or before bits and pieces that have been fixed up or they've used inferior products with Mark IV armour. And this is where you start to get the studded, the real studded um, shoulder pads is those bubbles are there as extra kind of protection because part of that armour is is designed by the, you know, with this one product and part of it is a, an inferior product or, or a product doesn't work quite the same. Um, and so they've had to meld it together and kind of make do. Yeah, this is pretty interesting because it talks about how, like you said, the Horus Heresy erupts during this, and um, you know Mars is cranking these out, and the legions that were getting all the new armor just happened to be the traitor legions. Um, so they they got all you know they were the ones who were got the refreshed with more supplies more quickly. Surprise, surprise, and. Um, it's just part of the problem here was they they uh, you know the the new the tech marines and the artificers they they weren't trained in how to use this stuff so when stuff went wrong there was nobody there who knew how to fix it and they uh, had yeah, no, yeah. they had no That's idea they were going to need that many spare parts because well they weren't expecting marines to be shooting marines. No, and the scale of fights, you know, it was rare for those the numbers we see um, in the heresy to be put, you know, you didn't need that many legionaries normally to pacify a planet. But all of a sudden, I mean, you know, just looking at Isfan 5, how many how many marines were were deployed there and died, and, and Isfan 3 as well. So on both sides here, you've got them making do with whatever's available. So they've gone back into their old where they could fix it with inferior resources they did um you know sometimes or they went back to their mark three mark two armor and went right that'll do i'll just whack that over the top and i'll yeah. do this and so as a result mark five as i say it's not it's it's not a suit of armor um but also it's hugely uh huge variations in the look of the armor because every every legionary has done what they can to try and yeah. make that armor work yeah, and I thought those studs were there for, you know, were part of a look. You know, like it was supposed to be, it was a design choice or maybe... It may well have been so, when they designed the models. So some, well, so when something uh, yeah. bangs up against it, but now you're reading it, and that's the uh, molecular bonding studs. Like you said, they had inferior materials because they didn't have the supplies, so they put this extra plate over it like to re- so there's more plate. And how do you make it stick? Well, those are, it says those are molecular bonding studs. 
So those are basically the the screw heads on the top, you know, yeah. for for Ribbit. lack of a better for, yeah, rivet, yeah. That's so when you see those studs, that's that's actually the inferior material armor being reinforced with more material. That's yeah, kind it's of, all over. I mean, if you look at the pictures on on the internet, it's it's not just the shoulder pads, which is kind of what people think. It's it's the leg, uh, the portions on the legs, and even the helmet. Yeah, you know, and any bit of you know, one even got it all over his groin. It's anywhere that they've had to replace or repair, sorry, repair the armor. These things have to be put in to make them work. But it creates a very distinctive style, and as I say, where you then get the mixes of the armor through through each marine as well. There's the huge variations. Um, the, there is one piece in here they've written about the um, uh, there's a kind of a helmet, a newish helmet that's turned up, which was a, came from the uh, Terminator development program, which they've incorporated into this armor. Um, which looks quite different with quite large uh, vents coming off the side of it and things like that. But we can see that you know, the, the Terminator development program is still going on here as well. So, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. So we're still leading on power armor, and 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 that is there. You know, the, still the hard hitters, the cataphracty armor, and all that. It's the stylization. But yeah. it's um, all about the power armor. And they also point out how they started. Uh Picking off armor, like because of the the difficulty to get all the proper parts, they would totally if you if you got killed, they would cannibalize your suit. Yeah, taking parts that they need, putting things together where they need to. Um, it says there's very there's very little of the Mark V armor left, except for the uh, Chaos Legions, and that's yeah, been the Legions. Yeah, that's just yeah. been twisted by the warp, so that's not even necessarily recognizable. Absolutely. Then we get but to the, the Corvus armor, indeed. Um, there is a, a heresy story later on which kind of deals with this in part. Um, but essentially, uh, it was Terra realized, you know, shoot, we need some proper armor out and there and now. <laughs> um, and they had to uh, they had to speed up. They were working on some, some new armor. They had to kind of speed it up to try and get it out. Um, sorry, excuse me. Um, it's designed, you know, designed to, to to kind of meld old and new technologies for for a more durable suit that could be repaired more easily. You know, seeing the issues they've had with Mark IV armor not being able to <laughs> be repaired, so it's it's repaired more easily and it uses uh, more readily available materials. So this is something that the legions can keep keep on top of um, in ideal. Um, Events on Mars led to a number of suits of uh, Mark VI being uh, taken by the traitors. So, again, we see this on both sides still. Um, yeah, we're, we make new armor because we need new armor because we don't even have Mars under our control necessarily, if I'm reading this correctly. And so uh, we make it. And then when Horus's legions come in, they they sack the production facility and get all the knowledge on how to make their own so they're keeping up with the joneses there yeah by the way spoiler horace gets quite far to terror just thought i'd throw that in <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's too much Man. of an issue for us to talk about that there you go. <laughs> um but yeah so yeah again everyone everyone's got it we've got um 
a kind of a, a cleanish look to them um with uh, the cables now in a lot of them the cables were quite exposed but with with six we start to see that the cables get hidden a lot underneath the armor um which obviously is the, the coolant cables and all those things which is a bit more protection to uh, the suit failing them and then uh, I like this because it talks about how the left shoulder still it's got the studded shoulder. Yes. Uh, the left shoulder armor retains the same construction method as the earlier Mark V and for the same reasons. Where supplies of material were short, it is the right side of the warrior which needs the greater protection while he fires his weapon. Thus, the left side could be most easily replaced by slightly less effective plates. The yeah. need to economize. Again, that saves a huge amount of time and cost and effort. Yeah. You know, they've it, gone right this bit's the important bit. We're going to give you a brand new spanking bit of armor. What about my left side? Well, you can worry about that later. It's not, it's not as important. <laughs> and it says, later the studded pad became associated with the defensive terror campaign and the final heroism of the Space Marines so that it became a traditional emblem and an act of remembrance of those days. Uh, the name Corvus derives from the fact... Yeah, that don't worry about that the, bit. Wait, oh, the Raven Guard were the first... The, the suits. Yeah, people can make links between Corvus and Raven Guard. Um due to the nature of the name. Um, but we also start to see uh, the beaky helmets coming in. I'm not a the, fan of the beaky helmets. I quite like them. They look kind of like um, a bird shape, hence the beaky. Yeah. Um, but they started to come in there. And yeah, I, th- I think, again, people are people either re- really don't like them or they like them. It's I'm a dog. One of those things. That's fair enough. Like, but be goats uh, and sixes is still around you know, commonly around. Um, and as we get into seven, we see that actually a number of, uh, a number of chapters later on prefer the six. So they, they keep the six, but it, it stays around all the way through to 40 K. All right. So then we got Mark seven, the imperator or the Eagle, Eagle armor. armor. Um, and at this point, all the, all the uh, armor-making facilities have been taken back to Terra to make sure they don't fall into the wrong hands. And Mark Seven was spread throughout the legions defending Terra and Luna, um, <clears throat> uh, with a, with the shoulder guard disappearing, the studded shoulder guard. You know, they've they finally worked out that the left armor might be important as well. Left arm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it's more more importantly they've got the numbers to do it. Um, and we got uh, the full chest plate. They're quite you know, the solid chest plate we, we recognize now um, with the great big uh, Aquila, double-headed Aquila on it. Yep. Um, and the, the the helmet design going back to the fourth one, the, the the traditional Space Marine helmet design with the big grill on the front and and the little crest bit on top. Right. Um, as I say, these, these are the ones that we see generally now. So six, six and seven are used throughout the Imperium all the way through from that point on, um, and and so yeah, so there's not not a lot more to say about seven really. It's it's it is what it is. It's there and it's it's the best of what they've got. Um, yeah, it says basically with, you, what you need to know about it is that the chest part covers the chest and all the arm cabling. So yeah, I mean the one thing they did do is then you know it's, it's interchangeable with with six. So it's. You know, you can just have bits and pieces and whatever. It's, it's easy to sort out. Um, and and so as you go into 40K, that helps with the chapters. The smaller chapters can, you know, they can, they can if they're out somewhere on campaign, they can keep 
make sure they're supplied fully with with the armor they need. There was a there was a nice note on Mark Eight Erentama and a little speculative. Um, right, I'm, yeah, I'm reading that right now. It's basically um, there are a small amount of uh, armor suits seen, and very rarely seen as a whole suit, which is a slightly heavier. Um, protective wear design of space marine suit um with like a, a large neck collar and just basically bigger plating slightly just say it's like seven mm-hmm. just a little bit heavier um in the protection style but it's not really seen as a as a whole suit of armor that's why it's kind of put in here as speculative but bits and pieces have been seen out and about and that's that's a 40k thing um I mean, as we look through most of the heresy, we're dealing with Mark V armor, um, the, the mishmash of four and whatever they could scramble. And then it's only later, uh, a couple, few years down the line, that we start to see Mark VI armor come in. And then Mark VII armor's right at the end of the heresy. So those are the three main ones we're dealing with. Cool. Um, and the what the one thing to add on to that is these are the these are kind of the factory designs that we're talking about with the armor. These are what leave the factory. And as soon as they get to the legions, the the the, the upkeep of that armor is looked after by the artificers. So they they maintain the suits and also they can add ornamentation within reason and also modifications to those suits. So someone who's been raised to uh, high rank might say you know i need i want a bit more of this or whatever and they can alter the armor slightly to their requirements yeah um, and also they then start to just put their own feel onto the armor so you'll see there are differences between uh like space walls and and you know thousand suns and alpha legion you know they'll have slight variations we start to see that come in in the legions and then later on in 40k you really you see that a bit more with the chapters you know you you have your artificial armor in the rule books which gives you a slightly better save um and space wars have the runic armor and 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 things like that so there is a bit of more individuality that can come in um and and those trademark pieces like uh even the, the 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 phoenician i think it's the phoenician helmets that um the uh thousand uh, emperor's children use they they kind of they they find a piece of the armor they like and they kind of take it on as a kind of yeah we we wear we all wear kind of similar style of helm when we're at this point in the legion so you start to see little bits that 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 that, that thread through legions which is all part of the aceness of of each individual legion the individuality yeah no it's really it's really cool i'm i'm glad we I'm glad we talked about this because this might be common knowledge to a lot of our listeners. But for me, it was it was a fun read. For me, and it was a fun read. As I say, um, it might not be 100% accurate. We're going to say that now. Um, they tend to be pretty good on that site. If something's wrong, someone tends to come up and tell them they're wrong. Um, and I take it as being pretty much there, thereabouts. And a lot of it was kind of new information to me i knew about the different marks i didn't know huge amounts within that so it was, it was quite cool to read i like that the studying was just them bolting on more armor yeah because all right dude we don't have this this stuff isn't as good as that stuff i'll smoke keep all here i'll just put another layer on 
<laughs> Too right, all, like all the best mechanics. Exactly. <laughs> we'll just bodge it. We'll bodge it. And you, you've got to think, you know, you're looking at during the heresy, what, what a time of flipping upheaval and, and, and right. later on we see certain legions just seem to spend all their time in space, just flying between uh, conflict and conflict and, and, and all this. So it really was kind of shoot. 18 moment you know we're we're stuck in a garage what can we do um so you ain't kidding i mean they did what they could yeah it's actually really that was because that was the part when i said when i was reading it's like oh he's out he's got a piece of this armor here and a piece of that armor there and i'm like what and you read this and it's like oh okay they had to just grab what they could and you, you see it a little bit i think in um isn't it the third book um uh, galaxy in flames when they're down on the planet and they can't get off the planet and Horus oh, yeah. keeps sending his legions down so they're just they're picking armor off of whoever and that's not just for the city I mean they're no absolutely and they spent um, the the when they hold up um, after coming out it took uh, a few months for the traitor forces to, to finally clear up I mean they didn't in the end they bombarded them again the imperial forces so that's a couple of months of fighting all their ammo would have run out so they have to go and scavenge ammo uh, any damage they just have to drag it off the dead um, just to just to keep going so yeah I believe yeah, there was a comment of them having you know shoulder pads from you know from traitor legions that they're wearing you know it's like they yeah, took absolutely it doesn't matter who wore it before and you're putting it to the use of the emperor um, <laughs> you know reclaiming it almost so yeah they it's a common feature and in um actually i'm not going to say anything about that um but <laughs> it's it's been seen later on as well and a number of times um by very specific examples and people who know what i'm talking about will know what i'm talking about if you know what i mean so um yeah it's <laughs> spoiler sweetie yeah that's why i didn't say anything um <laughs> sort of um so any time that you get those kind of battles it's, it's like the nature of the beast something that has to be done we see the shattered legions um that we'll get onto, uh, which are the remnants of, um, I mean, we know that some of the troops escaped is fan five. Um, they, yeah, they're, they're completely decimated. There's oh, worse than decimated. So they, they, they have to do a lot of things that they wouldn't want want to do to, to keep going. So we start to see that ingenuity and that, and that, um, taking of, of resources they need. Cool. Which is excellent stuff. I, I think, unless I have missed something here in my notes, we are coming to the end. Am I correct, Greg? Yeah, that, I mean, that's as far as I've got. If anyone's got anything to add or, or whatever, then um, feel free to come and chat about it. And I um, can't promise I can answer any questions, but we can try. Someone else might be able to, which will be really useful. Yeah. <laughs> so this thread will be on the forums, and we still invite people to come and... Uh, Come and listen, uh, or come and join the forums and join in the conversation. Yeah, and, and if you, I mean, if you like the topic, tell us. If you didn't particularly like it, please tell us. Um, I'm aware that a subject like this might not be to everyone's taste, and, and as I said, could be a little bit dry. But um, uh, you know, at the was, moment, this Dave and I are trying to though, work so. out what to talk about. I, I personally think it was quite interesting, um, and that's and that, at the moment that's all we can do. If you want to give us a topic to kind of discuss about. We, we're not going to guarantee we do them, but we'll, we'll have a look into what we can do and um, keep, yeah. keep involved. It's brilliant. And you can put that, uh, in fact, on the forums. We've got the Garage Hammer episodes, After Eleanor episodes, and you'll notice in the section for episode discussion underneath that, there's a, a section called So What You Want. 
So if you would like us to cover a topic in the in the feedback episode, a little side topic. I mean, sometimes we're not even going to have a topic. We're going to have a. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of feedback for dissent. That might just be. <laughs> there's a very good chance Maybe. that that, Maybe. Dis, that the feedback episode for dissent will be all feedback. There's a very good chance of it. Yeah. Um, but if you have a little side topic, something in the 30k or 40k universe that you would like us to to discuss, you know, put, I think I think we try on. and keep it 30k. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much 40K out there that yeah, we don't want to go over ground that's easily covered and maybe better covered by other people. But, right. but I mean, like something like this more. that spreads from 30 to 40. I mean, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you yeah. Know. absolutely. Um, but if you've got a topic you'd like to hear us discuss and it, you know, it, and, it, and it works in with sort of what we're doing, uh, let us know because it makes it easier. <laughs> Yeah, it certainly <laughs> makes it easier when I don't have to think of things. Exactly. Um, but also, we're actually then going to give people what they want to hear within reason as well. Um, sure. It's no good me babbling on for half an hour if no one's listening. So <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a waste of everyone's time. But oh. also, we, we want to make stuff that you want to listen to um, and get involved in. Because, again, that's why we're doing it is for people to get involved. Sure. Um, if you want to make comments that aren't necessarily that you think – or about books in the future, things like that, then please feel free to contact us through the emails and things like that. Yeah, keep those on uh, email. As uh, the gentleman did, I can't remember his name, that's really poor form. Um, with the comments he made, um, Reloke, and some of them were old, and some of them were about future stories involving other people. As Dave looked that up. So yeah, please feel free to email us. Um, do try and reply. I don't always reply straight away, but sometimes that's because I have to think. <laughs> But we, we welcome it. Craig Jones. Here it is. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And he, Craig Jones, yeah, he give credit where credit is due. He sent us quite a long discussion on his thoughts about not just Loken, but some of the stuff uh, uh, about Captain Garrow. Yeah, and, and, that's, um, and there's stuff in there that I will want to talk about. Uh, at the relevant time, probably yeah. On the on on the uh, feedback episode, so um, definitely not ignoring so, your email. We're just no. I, re- I, re- we, we, I replied to him, um, and we had that chat. But also, it, it might be worth bringing some of that up, Excellent. which is good. And then there's one final thing I kind of want to try. Um, I've we've seen the podcast kind of grow a bit, and more people keep getting added to the, the Facebook group and yeah. all those things. And that's really great to see. And I kind of want to put a little challenge out of spreading the podcast news. So if you're on a forum, a 40 K forum or, or a podcast forum or something like that, and there isn't a thread for, you know, have you guys listened to after Eleanor? Can I put a little bit of a challenge out that you kind of put one up, spread the word a bit? Yeah. Tell, tell your mates at the club. Um, I don't want to hear that people have been bombarding a podcast. Yeah, we don't want to get we don't, we don't want that. But um, as I say, so if, you, if you're on a, a forum for a group of people, whatever, and you, you don't, and you know that not all everyone has heard of us, then then spread the word. It's it's brilliant. Every now and then I get we get a little tweet inside with them um, after Eleanor tweeted in and it's oh you haven't tried this and people reply back yeah I'm already listening and that's that's awesome that's amazing yeah. stuff in other but words say, you know uh, you know please if you like the show spread the word yeah you, you all have homework go out and get one friend and make them listen yes <laughs> and um, please leave the uh, the um, iTunes reviews 
that's that's quite helpful when people are looking around. Um, I mean, if they're looking directly for the Horus Heresy, we, we tend to be one of the first that comes up. But yeah. people but we, might we not do. be looking for us because they don't know that it's there. So if you have if if you haven't left us an iTunes, please do. Um, if you don't want to, that's fair enough. But they are greatly appreciated, and we love them. I wish I we wish. Do, yeah. I mean, I understand why we can't. I wish we could respond to them, like on yeah. iTunes, just just to say thanks because. I mean, you guys who have left them have left some really fantastic reviews, yeah. and it really makes you know. Unless you, unless you're, unless you're doing this, you know what I mean. You don't. I don't think you realize how much just people coming up and saying, "Hey, I love your show," or people putting it on on iTunes or going to the forum saying, "Hey, I really enjoyed this." Dude, seriously, yeah. that makes every bit of work and everything we're doing so worth it. It really does. Um, it's just, it's a really great feeling to know that people enjoy. The nonsense that we're sitting around and doing. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's just great to chat to the guys as well, and yeah. and to meet and meet you guys and and all that. And no, none of you have been really weird yet, so that's good. Um, <laughs> well, I probably have been, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but not with me. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, as I say, yeah, it's. I know we say it at the end of the show, but uh, kind of every time. But it's the more people we have involved the better the discussions get, the more people can tell me I'm wrong. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you conceited bastard. You think you know everything coming across as a Mr. I, Mr. Authority guy. Hells yeah. I'm the <laughs> one with the microphone. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, and as I say, those, those times when I've been out and met people who've said they listened to the show and everything, it's brilliant to have you. You end up getting into a half-hour chat about heresy. It's great. So... Yeah. Say, come, come, grab us. Come, say hi. And I'll tell you what the coolest one is, though. I'll tell you when people sign up on the forums, and mm. they actually listen to both shows. They like fantasy and forty k, and that, that's just like you guys are my favorites <laughs> because you guys are you guys are really the sick and twisted individuals of the group. Because if you're listening to me six hours a month on Garage Hammer and then listening to this too. You are a glutton for punishment, and I do I do appreciate that. I only tune into Garage Hammer for the other guy, <laughs> the smart one. Yeah, the sidekick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so listen to the Garage Hammer for that joke. There you um, go. So yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, thank you for listening, and we will be back as soon as possible with it'll uh, be either slightly before or slightly after Adepticon I think for the for the for the review of Garrow and then as I say for Descent of Angels yet yeah, we'll get we're working on the date to get that out to you as soon Wait, as possible are we doing Garrow first or are we doing Descent no, of no, Angels first I, I got ahead of myself okay <laughs> Descent will be soon but then <laughs> why am I but, killing myself <laughs> sorry Descent can... will be soon but the, the date for Garrow will be in and around Adepticon, which is uh, first, second weekend of April. First weekend of April. First weekend of April. Yeah. If it's not before, it might be a couple of weeks late because I'm very busy with flying to America and then a, a big Warhammer tournament. So we, we, we'll try our best to get it sorted in and around then, but we'll, we'll try and keep you guys updated on that anyway. Excellent. All right, folks. Until Descent of Angels, the Emperor protects. Death to the Force Emperor. Congratulations on completing another episode of After Illinois. David and Greg would love you to come and chat some more about the Horus Heresy in the forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or on the Facebook page. Just search for After Illinois. You can email us if you wish at greg at garagehammer.net or david at garagehammer.net. 
Finally, you can catch us on Twitter at AfterUnor, at Child of Fang for Greg, and at Garage Hammer for David. If you'd like to support the show, you can visit the support page on the main website at garagehammer.net and you can leave a positive review on iTunes. In addition, you can tell all your friends to come and join the community. Many thanks for listening and until the next episode, may the Emperor protect. Thank you.